Welcome to Bookish Meet the Author. I'm your host, Ebony Haywood, and this show was created by Clarissa Burt. Today, I am here with Larry, and I should have asked how to pronounce your last name before we record it, but I think it's Grogan. That's correct, Grogan. Larry Grogan, thank you so much for being with us. He is the author of A Tale of Love, Life Lessons from Scrappy. How are you, Larry? I'm doing great, Ebony. Thank you so much for having me. So let's dive into um, your journey for this book. Okay. <laughs> First, tell us a little bit about how you decided to become an author. Well, to be perfectly honest with you, it was an accident. It was nothing that I ever intended to be. It was just something that evolved over time. Uh, you know, Scrappy and I were together for 12 and a half years. We were a pet therapy team for eight. Mm. And when she passed away, honestly, I was an emotional mess. I turned to writing as my way of my own personal therapy because I would take little pieces of paper and I'd write her a note and I'd stick it with her ashes. We had her cremated. And the notes became letters, and the letters became stories. And a year in, after she passed away, I decided to go away for a long weekend to consolidate some of those notes and letters and stories. And I think I walked away with about 24 pages. Mm. But I kept writing because, again, it was doing my soul good. It was really just helping me out uh, in her absence of my life. And so after two years... I had something that kind of resembled a book and I shared it with a friend of mine and she said, Larry, you really have to get this published. But I was a fish out of water. I didn't know what I was doing, but I found some people that helped me out and uh, there you have it. I love that. And I was looking in your background. So is this Scrappy behind you? It is. That is Scrappy. And what, uh, what kind of dog was she? Scrappy was a mix between a toy poodle and a chihuahua. Mm, okay, okay. It was five pounds of fur. Yeah, how cute. <laughs> so I, you know, and I really love how you were writing therapeutically and it ends up turning into a book um, because it just goes to show that it, like you, you felt like a fish out of water, I'm assuming because you didn't consider yourself to be a, an author or writer. <laughs> All the above. Okay, right, right. <laughs> um, but isn't it wonderful how you can write something just as a means for healing and then you give it to someone else and they're like i think other people need to read this because your healing can help other people in their process so um that's wonderful well thank you and that's that's really all it was it was for me i wanted to leave a legacy to scrappy mm -hmm. something that i could pick up and review over and over and over again and i do mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about um pet therapy so how does that well what is pet therapy let's just start with that pet therapy is a form of compassion if you will uh, pet therapy involves uh, typically a dog and their owner and the idea is to share the dog's love with someone else. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the beautiful things about animals is that they have a level of compassion that sometimes we just don't recognize and we don't appreciate. Mm -hmm. And so for Scrappy and I, it was our ability to allow Scrappy to um, give a, a little love and attention to strangers 
In our case, it was children that were in a hospital. Uh And uh, it it allows them to forget what's on their mind, you know, because they're in a strange place. They're surrounded by strange noises and sounds. And seeing a dog in the hospital is something that they simply don't expect. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there training involved for pet therapy? There is. We went through six weeks of training. Uh The training wasn't too difficult. It was a lot of obedience training. And it kind of makes sense because you're going to be going into an environment that um, you need to make sure that you have control of your dog. You don't want the dog to lick anything off the floor, eat anything off the floor. You don't know if it's medication or otherwise. Uh, You don't want your dog to jump up on the bed. Uh, because you just don't know where that injury might be if you're in a hospital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, we completed six weeks of training and um, she did exceptionally well. And for her, the two biggest obstacles she had to overcome, one was called um, separation, where someone had to hold Scrappy. I had to leave the room for about three minutes completely out of sight. And the objective is to not have your dog get overly excited try to get away, try to find you. And so what we would do is we actually trained at a Home Depot. We would go with a friend and I'd walk down an aisle, get out of sight, count my three minutes. And it really, that reputation of, a repetition of always coming back to her was what Mm -hmm. she needed. Mm -hmm. And then for other dogs, the big challenge was what's called leave it. They would put a hot dog on the floor. And you had to walk within three feet of that hot dog. And as you're going by, you're telling your dog, leave it, leave it, leave it. Because uh they don't, again, they don't want the dog to try to sniff it or eat it because depending on the environment, you just don't know what could be on the floor as they're walking by. Right, right. That's wonderful. I love it. (laughs) That's such a great idea. Oh, my goodness. I can just imagine how the restriction a dog has to put himself or herself through to not eat that hot dog. Oh, my gosh. The the Um, strain is unbelievable. Yeah. (laughs) So tell me, what is a typical visit like if they're they're going to visit a child in a hospital? um, The child just starts petting the dog or what? How does that work? Yeah, typically what we would do is we would start at the nursing station. So all the nurses got to love on Scrappy first. Okay. And what we did is we got a list of all the room numbers that wanted a visit from Scrappy. So they would go in advance and get their permission for us to go in. Mm-hmm. We never we never had any names. It was just a room number. And so we would walk down to the room. I'd knock on the door and ask if they wanted a visit from Scrappy. Now, early on, I had to learn I needed to pick Scrappy up and hold her on my arm. She could fit on my forearm. She put all four paws in the palm of my hand. And the reason for that was because if I left her on the floor and I knocked on the door and asked if they wanted a visit from Scrappy, they never saw Scrappy. They were always looking at me wondering, why would you be called Scrappy? Right. So we would just walk in and, you know, it, just to see that smile come over that child's face just made every single visit worthwhile because they, they get a little bit excited. They want to hold her. And so if they want, I could put Scrappy on the bed with them and she would just sit right next to them and they would just pet them and put their hands on them, on her. And um, 
really just allow that opportunity to feel better mm -hmm. about what was going on for the day. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so let's talk a little bit about, I think you kind of started to mention the, the benefits of pet therapy. So I can, you can see how it would benefit the child. It's just that, that connection that they're making with the dog, the compassion they're feeling, the love, the attention. Are there some benefits also for the dog? Yeah, I think so, you know, because the, the dog loves the attention. And that's mm -hmm. one of the keys to having a great pet therapy dog mm -hmm. is they want to be around other humans. They enjoy the attention. They love the petting. Um, but, you know, it was interesting because when Scrappy and I would go, she knew exactly where we were as soon as I made a right hand turn. She would sit in the on the lap of my uh, of, excuse me in my lap in the car and she recognized the hospital so she would always get very excited she loved going and mm -hmm. so i would intentionally get there 10 15 minutes early just to give her time to kind of calm down a little bit mm -hmm. and get acclimated to the area but yet you know i think from the dog's perspective they absolutely love the attention mm -hmm. but the other interesting thing is that they really are working. They're working their emotions. They're working their compassion. And so we typically would only stay for an hour at the hospital. And when we would come home, she would go to her blanket, lay in the sun, and she would take a nap for about two hours. And you wow. can actually see the exhaustion yeah. that she would go through. And she needed that time to recover for herself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, can you describe one of your favorite memories or your fondest memories of Scrappy at the Children's Hospital? Well, there were there were many. Um, I will tell you that the, the one that will always stay with me was we were at the nursing station getting our list of room numbers and we could hear a child crying from the very opposite end of the floor. And the nurse knew that we were coming and she must have heard us at the nursing station and she stuck her head around the corner and said, would you come here first? I said, of course, we had no idea what was going on. We just heard a child crying. Mm -hmm. Well, we got to the room and we actually recognized this child. We had visited with him before mm -hmm. and he was crying because he was about to get his chemotherapy treatment. Mm -hmm. So we just walked in and sat on a bench and put Scrappy in between the, the three of us and or the two of us, Scrappy being the third. And he never took his hands off of her. He just kept petting her, petting her, petting her. And he never stopped crying, but it never was quite as intense as it was at the beginning. And so when it was over, you know, he kissed Scrappy on the head, gave her a little hug. His mother was in there with them, and she, you could just see that she was absolutely helpless. She wanted to do something for her child that was just impossible for her to do. But Scrappy took care of that for everybody. And so the mother, you know, gave Scrappy a kiss and a hug, gave me a hug. But then the interesting thing was, Ebony, when we left the room, the nurse was standing outside and she was in tears. She was bawling. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, every time I go into that room, he thinks something bad is going to happen. 
And for me, that was the realization of just how important the nurses are, the doctors are, that, you know, work in a hospital and particularly work with children because children just don't understand the reality of their situation all the time. They don't understand the reality of what's going on. But they do understand the reality that if some, somebody comes in and they do something that hurts, they never forget it. Yeah. And that was the situation that the nurse was dealing with. And so, you know, we spent a lot of time with that nurse that particular afternoon and made sure that she was okay and wanted to make sure that she had time with Scrappy. But that was one of those events that will just always resonate with me. Mm, yeah, I never even considered how a nurse would feel. It's kind of like um, sometimes teachers, <laughs> right? And you walk into a room or you, you, you take out a certain textbook and it was like, ah, right? Um, but yeah, it can be, it can really affect you as the caregiver if, if whenever that person that you're taking care of sees you and they feel like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be, she's going to stick a needle in me. She's going to whatever. And yeah. Yeah. It, and it became, you know, Scrappy was therapeutic for everybody involved. Mm -hmm. She helped the little boy get over the discomfort of the chemotherapy that was flowing through his body. Yeah. You know, he, she made mom feel better because she was in a no help situation, a no win situation. Yeah. And then finally with the nurse as well. And it was really just, it was an amazing moment. They're not all like that. But it was just one of those things that will always just stick in my mind. Mm. What uh, What do you want people, Larry, to know about pet therapy? Oh, uh, there's so much I want them to know. The first is just how wonderful it really is. You know, I describe pet therapy as a form of philanthropy. This is a way that you can give back to your community and it doesn't cost you a lot of money. It costs you time and it costs your recognition to know that your dog maybe has the ability to make other people feel good. And so this is a great way that individuals can give back to their community and do something really significant. But Ebony, here's the issue with it. We don't have enough pet therapy teams in the United States. There are only 50,000 certified pet therapy teams. And that may sound like a large number, but if you put it in perspective of the number of students, there's nearly 70 million students in the United States from K to university. That's one dog yeah. for every 1,400 students. And that's just not a manageable situation. So I'm actually on a mission now to advocate for more people to get involved in pet therapy because I want to see that number quadruple. If we can get that number to quadruple up to 200,000, now you're talking one dog for every 350 students. And the interesting thing about pet therapy is that college universities now recognize the need for pet therapy. 60% of universities now have a pet therapy program on campus, but it's not a continuous program. These are volunteers that come in from the community and spend time with the students typically during exam time. Yeah. Because when, what happens is when you're around a dog, your body produces a hormone called oxytocin. Mm -hmm. And oxytocin reduces stress, 
and relieves that tension. It lowers your heart rate, lowers your blood pressure. And that's why you always feel so good around an animal, particularly dogs. And so that's where the recognition of pet therapy is really going. It's the universities are beginning to recognize that it's important for their students. Hospitals have known this for a long time and they've beginning to understand the medical impact um, much better. But I really want people to think about pet therapy as a form of philanthropy. Reach out to their communities. You can Google pet therapy organizations in my community, or you can go to our website, which is ataleoflove.com, T-A-I-L, ataleoflove.com. Go to our resources tab, and we have four nationally recognized pet therapy organizations. You can click on them and see if they've got a group in your area. And then learn what pet therapy is about for yourself. Give it a try. See if it's something that you can actually do for your own community and figure out where you and your dog would be a great fit. So is the uh, your mission, because this is the kind of ties in the next question, but this mission that you're on, is that to increase the number of pet therapists? Correct. Okay. And, and understand this is a team concept. It's you and your dog. So you have to go through the training together, but that's exactly right, Ebony. And one of the reasons why this came so important to me was when we had the very unfortunate situation at Uvalde. And one of the things that didn't get a lot of attention was the fact that there was a group of pet therapy uh, teams that came from San Antonio to Uvalde several days after the shooting. Huh. And they were there to comfort those people that were mourning and in shock and give them an opportunity to kind of relax a little bit, decompress. And so when I realized that, I knew that there was a bigger calling that I could assist with. The other reality that happened was one of those little girls had to testify before Congress. And the statement that I will always remember that she said was, I'm afraid to go back to school. Mm -hmm. We cannot have that. We mm -hmm. cannot allow our children to be afraid to go back to school. So one of the things that we can do is we can take our pet therapy dogs. And what if you saw your child when they got off the bus, the first thing that happened was they saw a dog. <laughs> The whole attitude for their day is going to change. They're mm -hmm. going to smile as beautifully as you just did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're going to feel good about themselves. They're mm -hmm. going to be mentally prepared to learn. They're going to be in a much more stable place uh, mentally, physically, emotionally. Mm -hmm. Walk through those doors. And so that's why I'm on this mission to try to increase the number of pet therapy teams across the country. Mm -hmm. and, and trust me, I know where I live, there are therapy teams that go to the schools to greet those children as they come off the school bus and allow them that opportunity to pet the dog on the head, go into their rooms and get settled in for the day. Mm. You know, it reminds me, I, we used to have, actually, I don't, remember any of my classes when I was in elementary school, but I know some classes had uh, class pets. They usually weren't dogs. They're usually like rabbits or guinea pigs or something. Yeah. Um, but those kids in that room seem so excited to go <laughs> see the class pet, or to, you know, so it does make a big difference. I can just imagine if your class pet was a dog, that would be a lot of work, but that would be wonderful. Um, well, 
But you're absolutely right. Whether it's a, a rabbit or a guinea pig, sometimes it'd be oh. fish. Fish aren't that much fun. Oh, yeah. Opinion. Yeah. But but you're exactly right. It it doesn't really matter what the animal is so much, as long as it provides that opportunity to engage in some touch, some mm -hmm. feel, use one of those senses mm -hmm. that we're taught we have and allow that emotion to um, go both ways. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. This is wonderful. Tell us where listeners can get more information. I think you, you mentioned your web website um, about, well, first of all, tell us where we can learn more information about pet therapy and then where can we learn more about your book? Okay, both of them. You can go to one location, go to the website, ataleoflove.com, T-A-I-L. And there you can find information about the book. In fact, if you go to the shop tab, the there is a location at the bottom of that screen where if you want to get a free sample of the life lessons that Scrappy taught me and that I think are good for everybody, you can read what those life lessons are in a little excerpt about each one of them. Mm -hmm. You can also go and uh, if you want a book, you can get it through the website or you can go to Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Mm -hmm. And then if you go to the resources tab on that website, you can find those organizations that teach pet therapy mm -hmm. and you can find out if there's a local group already in your area and uh, if not reach out to me my contact information is there i can do some research and we'll be happy to do the research for anyone to make sure that you find a group that is going to be suitable for your needs and interests larry this has been wonderful thank you so much for sharing your story and about teaching us about pet therapy it's uh it's been quite enlightening Avenue, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. And we're going to say a goodbye to our audience. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Bookish. And I will see you next time. Larry, I'm just going to chat with you for a moment.